Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry and we continue our in-depth look into women in film which is our chosen topic for season 7 and today's episode we're going to take a look at the 1994 film noir crime drama The Last Seduction. Written by Steve Barakic and directed by John Dahl, the film stars the mesmerising Linda Fiorentina and also stars Bill Pullman and Peter Berg. The 50s in Hollywood were considered the rise in recognition of the film noir style in American movies. I mean, the style was around a couple of decades before, but wasn't, and excuse the pun, seeing the light of day on a broad scale. The term literally means black film, or in French, I guess the better meaning for the term would be a dark film, which is exactly the style film noir signifies. The iconic image in the 1955 crime film The Big Combo is one of the best and earliest contemporary examples of the style, wrapped up in one image with the two silhouettes standing with the backdrop in the black mist, expertly framed by famous stylistic cinematographer John Alton, who many considered the creator of these film noir images. The Last Seduction came out at a very competitive year, some would argue the most competitive cinematic year in history, which caused John Dahl's film to be pushed aside or simply put, didn't attract enough commercial recognition. 1994 was the year Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump and Shawshank Redemption were in competition with each other. It was a very dominant year for great films and I put The Last Seduction amongst those greats despite the lack of attention it got at the awards ceremony. Most of the awards or recognition the film got after its release was for Linda Fiorentino's performance as Bridget. However, she only ended up winning Best Actress at mediocre awards ceremonies such as the Empire Award or Independent Spirit Award. And I say mediocre, it's still a huge honour to be a nominee, let alone win those awards. But her performance as Bridget, I believe it wasn't justified. The highest honour the film got was a BAFTA nomination for Best Actress, where she was up against Uma Thurman's Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction, Irene Jacobs as Valentine in Three Colours Red, and the eventual winner of the category, Susan Sarandon, for her her portrayal as Regina in The Client. I mean, it was considered a huge snub that Linda Fiorentino didn't even receive Academy Award nomination for her role as Bridget. And the film now remains as a cult classic and probably the peak role of Linda Fiorentino, who has slowly been quite reserved in her film choices. You know, seemingly, and according to film critic Anna Smith, who I spoke to on a podcast a few episodes ago, who is a huge fan of Linda Fiorentino, let alone the film, she says the D word was used around her, which is possibly why Linda didn't really excel after this 1994 classic. The D word, by the way, being difficult, but it wasn't a very difficult, you know, it wasn't a very disappointing mark for the film as the film went straight to television before even happening. Uh, gaining a fretical fretical release for the movie and many think this was the reason why she didn't receive an academy award nomination because the film didn't even have a fretical release it went straight to tv and you know rest as they say is history and, and while i'm on the subject of anna smith please check out her article in the guardian which is called why i'd like to be linda fiorentino in the last seduction it's a very good read and it's the reason why i watched this film and i'm doing a podcast on it now actually I won't ruin the article for you, but Anna describes the film as a con artist film and goes on to say, like all great con artist movies, The Last Seduction delivers the thrill of seeing the protagonists use a combination of brains, bravado and bullshit to achieve their goal. It's a great read. I won't ruin anything more about it, but if you want to see the film, that article might tempt you to go see it. 
So the film was in the middle of these soon-to-be-greats like Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption, even though neither one of them won the award for Best Film. I think the honour went to Forrest Gump. It was also in the middle of the tectonic shift of TV, where the pilot episode of some TV series called Friends was aired very close to the release of The Last Seduction. The film noir aspect of the film was coming hot off the 80s, where its reputation was being dominated by the vibrant John Hughes' film and the very Spielbergian cul-de-sac films like E.T. and Close Encounter, and his works on The Gremlins and Back to the Future films as well. However... Critics were also showing their praises for their film noir films being released in the middle of these vibrant films. Films like Lawrence Kasdan, Body Heat, Kevin Costner's performance in No Way Out, and more renowned, David Lynch's Blue Velvet. The 90s didn't really continue with this momentum of Blue Velvet or any of these film noir films with others given their take. I mean, John Cusack's The Grifters and some may class the award-winning film Silence of the Lambs a film noir film, which would end up being the only horror film to date to win Best Film, but there wasn't really many materialistic, you know, many films coming out in the 90s that were considered film noir, and if they were, they were soon, you know, dismissed, much like The Last Seduction. Also, the last time, speaking of Silence of the Lambs, because I'm just on the subject, the last time Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor was uh, for Silence of the Lambs, an award that he recently won for The Father as well. So, you know, the movie was directed by John Dahl, who eventually went on to say that he, when he saw the film, was more of a comedy than a film noir, which is what film critics and many thought the film was. This was his third film after Kill Me Again and Red Rock, Red, uh, Rod, sorry, Red Rock West. Really tongue-twisting films, are they? It's not actually, it's just me. He actually only ended up doing seven films to date, so quite a reserved filmography for John Dahl. I mean, the most recent one of his films was all the way back in 2001 called Joyride, which is a film with... um Paul Walker and Steve Zahn. It's actually quite a good film. And John Dahl spends his time mainly directing TV series. He's popping up in and out of US TV series like Ray Donovan, Dexter, The Walking Dead, and more recently Billions with Damian Lewis. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola, who, you know, made famous from the Godfather films and eh, probably uh, Apocalypse Now as well, was an unspoken fan of this debut film called Kill Me Again by John Dahl. And he got his second film, Red Rock West, got that right this time, off the ground by getting his nephew to be in the film, who was Nicholas Coppola, or some of you may know him as Nicholas Cage. He's now clearly shied away from movies now, despite his obvious yet hidden commercial talent in making a feature-length film. And this is very evident from being in a very specific group of companies. So Roger, uh, Roger Ebert, who is uh, probably the film critics of all film critics, he's the only film critics who have won the Pulitzer for his work. And he's probably considered the best in the world at what he does or did. So naturally, when watching films, you have a little read of his review of that specific film. And each year, he would select his top 10 films. Um, that he watched that year. And in 1994, and you know how competitive 1994 was, two of John Dahl's film was on that list, which was Red Rock West and, of course, The Last Seduction. Only five other directors have achieved being on that same list twice. And that's what I mean by he actually has commercial talent. It's just very hidden. The films that heavily inspired him to do this film was A Clockwork Orange, which, you know, kind of reflects his sort of style when making his films. He couldn't believe someone had built that set in Clockwork Orange about the background and thus began an obsession with filmmaking.
John Dahl was actually a student of Bill Pullman's acting class, who's the uh, husband in this movie, um, and this is why he casted him in The Last Seduction. This was before he played his iconic career-defining role as President Whitmore in Roland Emmerich's Independence Day. And it's funny, because there's a scene at the start of The Last Seduction where Bill Pullman's character is disastrously doing the drop outside Brooklyn Bridge, and it's pretty much the exact same shot used when the alien spacecraft appears in New York over the Brooklyn Bridge in Independence Day so I don't know if Roland Emmerich stole that shot from John Dahl in The Last Seduction but who knows he definitely stole the actor um, but both films starring Bill Pullman so maybe Roland Emmerich watched this film and saw John Dahl and thought oh okay I like the actor and I like the shot here we'll take both of them and also, if we're playing Six Degrees of Separation here, or just connecting dots, I mean, Independence Day also stars Will Smith, who also battles aliens in not just this film, but also another, which is called Men in Black, which also stars Linda Fiorentino, who won that part from beating Barry Sonnefield, the director of Men in Black, in a poker game, which is also the center theme of John Dahls' film, Rounders, a film that is about poker, who stars Matt Damon, who's also in a film called Dogma, which also stars Linda Fiorentino. Loads and loads of intertwining connection there. I think you could do that with any film, to be honest. So the the movie stars Bill Pullman and uh, Peter Burke as the casualties of this elaborate scheme that unfolds in the movie by uh, Bridget, played by Linda Fiorentina. Peter Berg, actually, probably best known for his director now with his films of usual collaborator Mark Wahlberg. Um, he's a very successful director now. Um, he made films such like um, Deepwater Horizon, Lone Survivor, and more recently, Mile 22. He also directed Hancock, which stars Will Smith, when we already know the connection he has with Linda. Um, he plays Mike Swale, the innocent town man who falls into the claws of the ruthless Bridget, who ends up being entangled in this story's narrative. I mean, the film's main star, Bridget, is the fox in the city hen, disguised as nothing more than a woman, where she is dismissed with a slap from her husband, Bill Pullman which leads us to underestimate her intentions immediately, which is what I love about this film. Within five minutes of this, we are proven wrong and shown the true ruthlessness of her central character, where she robs her husband of the money that he awfully acquired from a drop at the start of the movie. And as the film escalates and as she flees, or flees, uh, fled from her husband, her character builds in momentum with her, in, you know, her intensity and personality, sexuality, and her desire to overcome her husband and also come out on top with the money that is in play. I mean, unfortunately, and without much remorse, she drags this helpless town mouse, played by Peter Berg, into the fold of the situation, who acts as a sexual satisfaction bait and distraction to her husband and also his hired help who is trying to help retrieve the money i mean linda, linda fiorentino with her signature husky rough but delicate voice brings a role model to all women in bridget her ambiguity of her life with her husband is a driving force of her likability to the audience watching this movie I mean, I was talking about the, you know, the five minutes where we see her established as a character. I mean, we only see five minutes of their relationship all together in this movie. The rest is how the individual handles themselves. And it's safe to assume from Bill Pullman's opening scene to the incognito escape, Bridget pulls off at the start. I mean, the game is very much set for the rest of the movie. I mean, like I said earlier, the film's recognition and praise of critics is due to the performance of Linda Fiorentino. She did an interview, I think it was with GQ, but she said, and I quote, the thing that's always bothered me is that even if you have a strong female character, invariably in the third act, she has to say something like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. 
or she has to become very vulnerable and wimpy and get her comeuppance. Even in something like Thelma and Louise, where you have these very two strong women characters, they have to die at the end. What's so special about The Last Seduction is that none of that happens. Had a Hollywood studio made that film instead of an independent one like it did with Last Seduction, it would have very it would have been a very different movie. She definitely wouldn't have gotten away with what she does in this movie. So the film, as you know, went straight to television, which arguably hindered the decision to nominate Linda for Best Actress at the Oscars. I mean, the budget was relatively low. I think it was around $2.5 million. I think it only made around 45000 with television uh, studios in the USA, but globally ended up grossing around $6 million. So it did make its money back. It wasn't a failure. I mean, as time goes on, I mean, the film started to get traction, mainly from the ruthlessness performance of Bridget, uh, of Linda Fiorentino, as Bridget, and sort of the amazing performance, and soon became a cult classic like other films that did terribly, financially speaking, but soon, like a fine wine, aged gracefully like Big Trouble Little China or even Shawshank Redemption. I mean, the film was actually included amongst the American Film Institution's 2001 list of 400 movies nominated for the top 200 most heart-pounding American movies. I mean, The Last Seduction is also included in the 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die, edited by Steven Schneider. And like I said earlier, it was on Roger Ebert's list for best film of 1994. The Last Seduction listed at number five, behind Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, The Free Color Trilogy, Blue, White, Red, and listed at number one, was Hoop's Dream, which was that biopic about those kids struggling to become a basketball player. Very odd choice, but it is a good uh, documentary, I guess. Shockingly, Shawshank Redemption wasn't in his top films of that year, despite it being number one on IMDb's greatest films of all time. So that's quite curious. But that's what's great about film. I mean, the subjective views and interpretations of a moving picture. Everyone has an opinion about a film and, you know, there will be someone who doesn't agree with you uh, somewhere in the world. And even if it is the, you know, renowned expert of the world in film. I mean, speaking of perspective, I mean, this film is shown from Bridget's point of view. We follow her and she's the central protagonist. But the earlier draft of the script was from Mike's character, played by Peter Berg, which would not have been the same movie. I think also the original title of the film was originally drafted by um, Steve Baranek. It was actually called The Buffalo Girls, but they changed it because there was already a movie called uh, The Buffalo Girls. I think there's actually a novel called The Buffalo Girls as well. I think it was called Buffalo Girls because it was set near Buffalo in New York. Well, it's actually set in a place called Benton, but I found out that that place is actually completely fictitious. There is no place called Benton. I mean, Steve Baranek, who wrote the story, was inspired by working a day job in telemarketing to write The Last Seduction, and it was his first writing job after his graduation. Established as he is, he has only got four credits to his name, which is The Last Seduction... The Last Seduction 2, which he didn't write, but he's been credited because he wrote the character of Bridget, who reappears in another chapter of her life where she goes to Barcelona. I haven't seen it, but without Linda Fiorentina, I don't know if it's going to be any good. I mean, she was played by Joan Severance in that movie, and honestly, it wasn't... I, I, I saw a clip of it, and it, it didn't look like a great film or lived up to the original. I mean, the film was very much lost with commercial audiences, apparently, much like... Uh, other sequels like Jaws 2 or Grease 2 was. I mean, the other two films he had a helping hand in um, was the Samuel Jackson film No Good Deed and uh, the Kira Knightley film Domino, uh, which is, I think, directed by Tony Scott. Um, and after his short yet mildly successful career, he now writes children's book and is also a children's teacher, which is hard to believe considering his source material in his movies. 
I mean, The Last Seduction offers many twists and turns in the narrative. The plot is intricate. The dialogue is something from a classic 1950s movies without the contemporary swearing and the graphic sex scene, which I heard Linda did all herself without the use of a body double. I mean, the two guys acted with ease and believability. Bill Pullman is clearly having a good time in this role. And Peter Berg's Mike is the guy you want to feel sorry for but can't help but root for Linda, which is really annoying. But it's just so good to watch that performance so early on in the 90s uh, where you're rooming for a malicious woman which is so good to see in Hollywood I mean his inability to say no to her is the reason for his own destruction I mean any of us truly I mean any of us truly say no to Bridget I mean it's it's really hard I mean she's absolutely falls in that movie and some and you sort of have that um conflict in your mind whether she's uh, good or bad and you kind of think she's good just because she's just so entertaining to follow I mean, the two lads were exceptional, yes, but this is Linda Fiorentino's show. And just like I care a lot with Rosamund Pike, we are at a moral and ethical predicament into rooting for Bridget in this movie. She's cruel, she's seductive, and worst off, she's somewhat pleasant. And this is the conflict I was talking about earlier we have throughout the whole movie. I mean... The early 90s gave us a strong, complex character that was truthfully enough to turn heads and show women in the cinema in a new light. And this movie, amongst the very male-driven 1994 films had to offer, was a lighthouse to the lost audience members looking for a complex woman or woman to follow with flaws to lead a narrative. And anytime I see a movie that just, just you know, that does just that, I always think, hmm... The Last Seduction now, and I, I can't. I I'm guilty of this. I did not see this film when it came out. It was very late. I think I only saw this film recently because of that article I read from Anna Smith. But listen, anyways, that's all I have time for with this movie. If you haven't seen it, please go on Amazon and order the movie. If it won't force you into your overdraft and you haven't already, give Anna Smith's article, The Last Seduction, a go. It's a great read, and it's called Why I'd Like to Be Linda Fiorentina. It's a great movie to cover season seven. Hopefully like we did with I Care A Lot, have more of these films as well. If there are, I'm sure Girls on Films, Anna Smith's podcast will be covering it too. So please subscribe to me on Film Exploration AH. Uh, I'm on Spotify, Google, and I'm also on iTunes. And you can also follow me on Instagram with some updated news on cinema and TV and my upcoming podcast. That's Film Exploration AH, or lowercase or one word. And once again, thank you for listening to my podcast on The Last Seduction with Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. Hurry.